Right, nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get a ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beer sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN, to get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN. Sound? Pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Well, ladies and gentlemen, football is back and so is Shithouse City FC Neil Harris has overseen two games against Leeds this season And has had five shots on target, resulting in five goals and that means Cardiff have begun their nine-game mini-season with a huge 2-0 win over the top-of-the-table leads, continuing our hoodoo. Welcome back to The View from the Ninian Podcast. I'm joined by Ben Price and Tom Phillips. How are we doing, gents? I'm bloody wonderful, mate. How are you? Wow. Even better for what's happened today. And you, Phillips? Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't, I can't, I, oh, I'm so glad football's back. I was dreading it, but it's great, isn't it? It's absolutely How- great. How many games have you guys watched this week then? Obviously, football kind of resumed in essence on Wednesday. It's now Sunday. How many games have you watched, Ben? I didn't know what day it was, to be honest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going by games, not days now. So Uh, anything, I think anything that's been on TV, I've watched. So two Friday, four yesterday, and just the one today, obviously, because we're recording just just before the other stuff. I've watched the Wales-Belgium game as well. On oh yeah, because that was just done, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't watch that. It was it was too good to watch again. I've watched it like six times now. I haven't stopped. It's ridiculous how many times. <laughs> game. How many times have you watched it during lockdown, Tom? Well, it, well, because Wales themselves put it up, didn't they? So I watched yeah, it then. Then I watched it. I think BBC have done it twice, have they? Yeah, I think BBC watched it both times, and I've watched the highlights every time I feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> so about a hundred times. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. I mean, let's let's not mess around. Obviously, today was the first game of Cardiff City's uh, new season, the, the the nine game season we talked about last week. Obviously, we beat Leeds two 0 Guys, Ben, let's start with you. What was your verdict on the game? Did you enjoy it? What was what? What do you think? You know, what I you loved think? everything. I loved everything about it. We shit housed a two 0 win against Leeds. They're in meltdown. And Neil Harris has proved to be a tactical master genius better than Marcelo Bielsa. So, what's not to like, please? What's not to like? 
I mean, that is that is summing it up quite nicely. And Tom, do you agree? Yeah, it's a great performance, really. Like, I th- we're still a little bit rusty, I think, with the ball, uh, but we came out of the blocks straight away quickly, just in their faces. Didn't let them get a foothold until about 20 minutes in. And then we just sat back and we were always going to be put under pressure. And I thought we dealt with it relatively well. And then, yeah, we stayed in the game, got a goal, sat back and then caught them on the break, which is what we do best against the better teams in the league. So I can't complain at all, to be honest. I think you're right there. You're saying we, we, we catch teams on the break and we do it again. We do it well against the, the kind of best teams in the leagues. But Ben, did we, were you just expecting that kind of level of performance? We, uh, you know, listened to the commentators afterwards and uh, what they were saying was that we just looked fitter than them. We looked more organised. We looked, you know, we started the game really well. Was that something you were expecting from the first game out of lockdown? I was genuinely amazed how hard and high we were pressing leads, especially the first 15 minutes. I thought, um, that's the best way we've started a game in a long time. You can clearly see Harris's work to stop these slow starts to games. We are pressing, we were on the front foot and didn't let teams get a hold of it. Obviously, a team of the quality of leads, they're going to get a foothold in the game eventually. But I think Cardiff did really well across the board, not letting them get a sniff until 20-odd minutes into the game. I think it was just a great start. And if we do that going forward, I think a lot of teams are going to struggle to deal with that going like in the future. And Tom, do you agree? It's kind of like credit to Neil Harris. I think obviously the lockdown came and he's, he's clearly just worked on drilling his team somewhat. They, they look fit. They look just on it with the, the high press, as Ben says. Is, is that something that Neil Harris takes all the credit for? Yeah, I think so. I think, well, a player's got to get a bit of credit for like, obviously they've worked on the fitness yeah. and they, they've kept in shape during it, during lockdown and everything. But I think there was no mess in from us. Like if we had to get rid of the ball, we got rid of the ball. We played in the right areas and, Leeds, they were all going to play football. We weren't going to, we were not going to out football them. But then our two goals came from them trying to play from the back. Mm-hmm. So if the better footballing team in the in the league are making mistakes playing from the back, what what chance have we got? So we just let them play and we capitalised. And you can't really argue with that. Like we set out perfectly. I think I think the substitutes came on at just the right time. I think any longer we would have been pushing it if we started tire. And I think every every decision Harris had to make. When right, my favourite one was the the um, drinks break in the first half. Yeah. Came a minute earlier, and you could see him asking for it, asking for it, because we were suddenly under a bit of pressure for the first time. It, it, it broke up Leeds, didn't it? It broke up what yeah. Leeds were doing, and it broke up them getting a foothold into the game. So he's even using those small kind of technical decisions to his to his advantage. Savvy, it was savvy. It's the stuff you don't notice on the stand if you're at the games. Like when you're watching it with no crowd there, you can hear the stuff that's going on on the sideline. And it's really interesting to hear like how it's going, like, like we need that break now and hearing the instructions and just the little moments in the game that you just no, don't notice otherwise. And yeah, it's fascinating view. And I think we've got, we've got our game plan, game plan absolutely spot on today. One thing I think you... found interested, interested, interesting even, <laughs> from listening sort of without the, without the crowd noise being full on was how much encouragement Harris has given the players. Yeah. At times very vocal, was, isn't he? At times, it's sort of I got a bit. You get a bit frustrated. Oh, there's a wayward pass here and a wayward pass there. He's not on their backs. He's offering encouragement. Tell them go again, and just really a lot of communication comes from him. I didn't, to be honest, didn't realise he did, and it was um, reassuring to see. You can see the players took it on board and really, the players have bought into what Harris is doing massively, haven't they? You can see that they care and get what he's trying to do and want to make this a success, which is really nice. 
Well, I think we, we heard it in the week, didn't we, with Sean uh, Morrison in his press conference basically saying that um, there's, a new, there's a hunger there, things have been relit, the players have all been on it in terms of their fitness. So I think, you know, a lot of people asked what Glatzel might have been doing in Germany or what Glatzel was doing with these coaches and with these trainers. And it's obvious that all these guys have gone off and they've, they've worked on their own games to some extent. And I think you, we can see that today, right? When you look at the way that the team was, it was very solid at the back and we built on that solid foundations. And I think... And I guess the question is for, for you guys, I think, do you think Harris got that team selection spot on today? Because obviously there was that temptation to rush back people like Tomlin, rush back people like Mendes Lang, but he kind of held off doing that. And I think there's benefits to doing that, right? We're now in a position where we know we can win without them or we beat the best team without them and we can blood them back into the, the next eight games a bit, a bit softer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think he got everything spot on. Like I said before, substitutions and tactics and the first 11 especially. Um, the midfield, when you look at it on paper, sort of, you could get a bit worried thinking, where's the creativity coming from? But then you realise just what Joe Rolls brings to the team. Yeah. Um, not his best show. And like, obviously, he's been out for it'd be close to six months now, wouldn't it, without playing a first-team game. But it's the little things he's done and sort of developed over the last 12 months um, really made a difference. And that midfield especially were brilliant today. I thought Bakuna, probably his best yeah. game in months, and that's saying something because he'd been on form. Um, just before the lockdown, but I really, really enjoyed seeing that midfield three play together, and I think Harris got it spot on. Tom, yeah, like, we, we, sorry, carry on. As you say, we talk about players that you highlighted there, Bakuna in the midfield. Do you think Bakuna was man of the match? I think there was a few names mentioned after the game. He's up there. Um, it's just like the, just the driving out from his box, just straight running, and he cleared the lines. He put Leeds under pressure, won a couple of free kicks, and. It just took the sting out of the game at the right times. And I feel, because Harris has done the complete opposite of what I said I'd do on the part of playing Amendes Lang, Tomlin, burn them out for an hour, then take them off. He's gone the other way around. And that's why I'm on a podcast and not coaching. Really. <laughs> and, and the fact that I wasn't a professional footballer in the first place. But, you know, it, yeah, he got all the decisions right. Our midfield three, like Vox, was absolutely everywhere. Like yeah. clearing balls that might have been going wide, but like there was someone coming in behind that goal and clearance was fantastic. Yeah. Putting just a foot in here and there, tackles that other people wouldn't normally make. And yeah, we were just solid and we just frustrated Leeds. And you could see with 20 minutes left in that game, we'd, we'd knocked the wind out of Leeds' sails. And it's the most they looked deflated. They looked really yeah. deflated. Yeah. I think, I think they obviously were coming. I think, I, and I, I saw a few people mention this on Twitter. It's clear that Leeds only have one way of playing, right? And that's this kind of passing they go left to right left to right and try and break you down but we were so compact as a we had the back four and then the five midfielders in front of them basically and I think there were times where the wingers were coming back so deep and I think we just didn't let them they couldn't break us down could they no it's impossible I think you talk about the players at the back how good was Sanderson today Sanderson was very good there was a few his pace he's 20 years old and he's played four first team senior games yeah, he looks very like composed. Like Mid twenties, absolutely superb. Also, Curtis Nelson. I think at the start of the season, he. I, I think I went to the Reading game where we lost three 0 and Curtis Nelson. I think came on at right back. Yeah, and I think it was clear that. it's not his position. But you know, at that stage, we were writing off all the, all the players who'd ever played for us, really, because I think Bolt's <laughs> played in that game as well, and it was pretty much get rid of him. Um, and and Nelson's become a very solid, dependable centre-half with a burst of pace that, that just takes it, you know, he's so confident. He's a bit Danny Gavidon-esque in that sense. He almost lets defenders 
he lets the attacker do what they can because he knows he's got a bit of pace or he knows he can get there and read the game in such a way that means he's always going to get the ball off them. It's, him and Morrison as a, as a back two is, is quite an impressive thing. They're building up a really nice understanding between each other. Um, I think all four are, to be honest. And with Smithies, they've yeah. got a lot of confidence in a goalkeeper that is in really good form. He looks so up for today. And that I mean, block... that block, yeah, I was going to say, that block was, it was world-class, wasn't it? I think that's, you, you can see his, when, when they zoomed out, you could see his anticipation where he scrambled across his line to get in front of him. I think if, if a, a Premier League goalkeeper had done that, it, we'd be, we wouldn't be seeing the end of it, would we? No. If that's De Gea, that's everywhere. If that's Alisson, that's everywhere over Twitter. Um, just quality throughout his footwork, everything. Just, I can't say enough good stuff about that. I love a bit of good goalkeeping and that was... <laughs> Maybe we have Ben Price's goalkeeping corner in the next podcast. Um, I did, Tom, I guess, is, is that the kind of performance you build on? I think, you know, we saw, we started quite well, but then we we, we kind of let, settled into the game. We started with the high press and passing it around a little bit, but then we settled into the game and let Leeds play their game. But we just were so compact and we have so much there that we can kind of... Um, you know, learn from, and then we've got players that come in and out. Is that the perfect performance to then go into the next eight games with? Yeah, I think so. Like, it's a clean sheet for a start against the league leaders. And with it being like this mini season of nine games, it's so important to get momentum going because we've only got one or two opportunities to get momentum going. And the results around us went in our favour largely yesterday. So it just gives us that, it just gives us that momentum. We're playing Preston next. The people around us are probably now, you know, their fans are probably more nervy than they are before. Ours have got a lift because our fans can be ne- very negative at times. Like mm-hmm. I think Mick McCarthy said today, you know, there'd be no complaints about that performance from Cardiff fans. I don't think he's met some of our fans. <laughs> to be honest, like. <laughs> but you know, but you know, it's the momentum we need. Like that's a huge because playing Leeds first. If you would get points out of that game, like you're not going to get come up against a harder team for the next eight okay. games. There's nothing to fear now. Oh, now I'm scaring myself again. I'm getting optimistic. <laughs> but, you know, no, there's nothing to fear now. We're going into next week. And I'll bring it on, to be honest. Bring it on. We've, we've got a real shot here. Well, well, we'll touch on Preston a bit later. But let's, I think, let's just take, take a moment to revel in the fact that once again, we've beaten Leeds. Um, I'll see if I can find the tweet. But, Ben, how good is it to beat Leeds every time? That's amazing. It's one of those things where I don't know why I've got mates that are Leeds fans. And it's just something immensely satisfying about beating them because they just feel so entitled. Yes. Just know it. Just knowing you've got that win over them. And Cardiff seemed to have it over them a lot. I remember that time with Russell Slade and they did the double over us that one season. Yeah. He still, they still bang on about it now to us. And you're sort of thinking, come on, lads, that's your th- two, three wins in. Well, I've got. I've, five? I- it's 84. I've got, I, I tweeted a photo of it this week, so I was trying to find it. So we played them twice in uh, 1984, beat them once, drew with them. We didn't play them then until 2002, where we obviously beat them in the FA Cup. And then from 2002 to those Slade games in 2015, we, well, I mean, I can't work out the maths on this one quite quickly, but we only drew four and we must have won about 12 games there. So, I mean, and then they, they, beat, they beat us in those three games in a row between 2015 and 2016, and we haven't lost them since. And that's another five games on top of that. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think, it's, uh, Tom, I was speaking to some Leeds fans in the week and they said that they think Neil Harris has got a hoodoo over them. Do you think that the, the Harris-Cardiff combo is the perfect kind of double act to, to, to constantly wind up Leeds fans? Why were we worried going into this game then? Now, after reading our run, what were we worried about? But no, that yeah. changes things, mate. That's so true. But 
I'm not sure. Things like that do. It's amazing how they like spin out in football, isn't it? Like these runs against teams that like we we shouldn't be. We were like four to one going into this game today. Like nobody really gave us a shot outside of the kind of Cardiff Leeds bubble where you're aware mm-hmm. of this hoodoo. And it's great just to add another win to that little hoodoo. Let's play them again. Go on, let's get another game against them. It's weird. Isn't it? the clubs seem to have these like jinx teams. Yes. For me, it feels like Peterborough are one of those. Peterborough are definitely one of those. Was it Peterborough we drew 4 all with after being 4 0 up? 4 0 yeah. up at half time, drew 4 all. Yeah, yeah, drew 4 all. 3 0 up and lost 4 3, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Peterborough are obviously our, our hoodoo team and we're obviously uh, Leeds' hoodoo team. I think uh, the annoying thing about us beating Leeds today is that uh, Fulham lost yesterday to Brentford, which if Fulham had beaten Brentford yesterday, they'd only be four points off clawing back Leeds with a, a few games to go. And I think, you know, if. Uh, it's a weird thing to to worry about, but like the the top of the table is there's this seven points between third, second, and first, and I think things could tighten up over the next couple of games if Leeds don't get their act together. If West Brom, I think drew yesterday, didn't they, with Birmingham? So yeah. there's if they if they don't get a, a win soon, they could start looking over their shoulder, and that 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 race for the top two could become all of a sudden tighter. I think if Brentford get a win on the weekend as well, I think they're playing West Brom, aren't they? Yeah, and I think if they beat West Brom, then they'll only be four or five points in it. They're properly in with a shout then, because I think they're a good side that are going to sort of gear up towards the end of the season. Yeah, so they do. They... It could be four out of two. When it looked yep. sort of January time, it was two from two. It did look two from two, and I think um, it's. I think it's setting up quite nicely for an exciting end of the season. I think if we if we look ahead now, obviously we've got Preston next week, and Ben. I think the question is now that we've beaten Leeds. We're now level on points with Preston. Does this become an even ever so slightly more important cup final? Yeah, I think it's massive. Um, it's probably going to be the biggest game out of the nine we play. Mm-hmm. You look at the players in the squad; they're going to see they're going to target that game for three points massively. Um, and Tom, is it, if if we go into to, to next week's game, is there anything you change from that? Would you bring Tomlin back in? Would you bring someone like Mendes Lang back in, who did look very bright when he came on? Uh, no, the only change I'd probably make is Glatzel in for Patterson. I think that Patterson, you can't fault him. His heat map today must have been insane. He ran absolutely everywhere. But you saw when Glatzel came on, he's still willing to put the yards in himself. But he's got that little bit of quality to hold the ball up top. And why would you change that midfield three? Like, you, you keep them in there. were solid at the back. I just, you know, start the game like we did today. And then just, you know... And then unload the bench. Like, it was scary looking the fact that, looking at the fact that we had like Mendes Lang, we had Tomlin. You've got like the likes of Ward you can bring on for a bit of energy as well. So start start maybe that one one change, but then start as we were today, and then see how it plays out from there. And Ben, I guess you know we we, we took three points against Leeds when a lot of people wouldn't think we'd get those three points, and I think we were talking about getting maybe four points from the first two games or even just a, 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 a win from a, a win or a draw from these first two games. Is, is the pressure off next week? We talk about everything being a cup final, but is the pressure off or does this just uh, ratchet up a little bit now we're going away at Preston? If anything, it's this Saturday coming up is the most important game out of the lot. You're sort of up against the team that realistically are the nearest contender for that sixth spot. So, Taking getting a three point cushion on them is huge. So play and in a, an away game as well. Um, I think it's a real difficult task, and the players have got to gear up for it and sort of enjoy this victory, but get out of their heads as quick as possible, and focus, and move on, ready for Saturday, which I'm sure they'll be doing already. 
And Tom, Tom said about bringing um, Glatzel back in uh, ahead of Patterson. Ben, do you agree with that? Do you think Glatzel should get the start now after scoring today? I think he has to. Um, you saw the way when we got the ball to his feet, how good his hold at play was and how much more involved players got. Um, I think he's just sort of looking fitter and sharper and with starting to learn how to play to his strengths. And if that's the case, then you've got to go with him because he's the best striker at the club. He is the best striker at the club. And Tom, you were nodding along there. Do you think we get it wrong with these target men? Do you think even, you know, even looking at Ken Zahor, for example, he wasn't your typical target man, but we played him like a target man. Is this something that we're, we're going to have to learn with Glatz enough? We want him to be a success that we need to play to his strengths? I think so. And now we've had a bit of time to kind of bed in with Harris as a, as a manager as well. And I think Harris is now slowly finding out the strengths and weaknesses of these players by seeing them work like week in, week out. So I think you can see our play starting to develop slightly. And I think we are starting to play towards these, um, to, towards the quality of what we got there. So hopefully that works out for us now in the next eight games. And I, I think it will, to be honest. I think we, we might just miss out on the playoffs, but I think. I think we'll have a positive end to the season anyway. That's where the optimism's gone already. We might be I took it, away, took it away. <laughs> took it away. No, what I mean is, I think, like, look, we're still, we still won't be favourites to get that slot. There's still, there's still other teams in and around there. And there's like six teams going for it. So there's a big, the big chance we'll miss out on it. But I, I think we'll end the season strongly anyway, even if we don't get the result we're looking for. But even even if we look ahead beyond Preston, and obviously I know we talked about this in, in the last podcast, but if we, if we, if we beat Preston on Saturday, then all of a sudden we're, we're, we're three points on them and we're, we're into that sixth place, basically. And then we've got a game against Charlton. And obviously Charlton are scrapping for their lives down the bottom. And do you think, would you expect another three points to come in? If we beat Preston, would you expect them to go all in for the three points against Charlton, Ben? You have to. I don't think you can look at anything in the next nine games and say, oh, we'll play for a draw. Especially then when you consider, OK, we've got Bristol City following on from that. And they're sort of seemingly on the downturn a bit. Fans are starting yeah. to turn against Johnson and they're in sort of bad run of form. But after that, then, you've got Blackburn, Fulham and Derby, who are three Fulham. teams that are not... Fulham are ch- chasing automatic and the other two then are playing for um, playoffs and they're in good form. I think Blackburn, they went 3-1 on the weekend. I think so, yeah. So you're sort of looking at teams there in real good form and sort of going to be contenders around us so there's no chance you can take your foot off the pedal they you've got to go for it and sort of target three points in every game you can't play for a draw in any game Blackburn beat Bristol and I guess we're getting to a situation where these these games are so this this run is so tight and there's there's nine games left Tom that when we get to play Bristol in two games time they could be out of the running in theory because there's we've got two games in between now and us playing Bristol and then if we beat Blackburn we could be the team that knocked them out of the running so it, it literally is a straight shootout now isn't it yeah it's mad how it's turned out with the teams around us seem to be playing each other it's like after us like Preston have still got to play Derby Forest Brentford Bristol you know Bristol still got to play Forest and Forest like you've got Derby Fulham Swansea like the, everyone is playing, everyone. playing each other. it's absolutely mental like and it could work in our favour like like you said last week, to be fair, you said that the running suits us, and I disagreed. But now we've got that first win on the board, it did start. Yeah, the Oracle Ben, well done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, um, but no, it's it is starting to open up for us a little bit now. If we can keep our foot on the gas here, we we have got a shout, and it's all to play for. It really, really is. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's, um, not, let's not. Yeah, we'll get by the next podcast. We'll be crowning ourselves as champions. Um, I guess you know after the game, <laughs> turn to Twitter. Like, Pardon? 
I'll put the champagne on ice then, shall I? No, nah, pop it, mate. Pop it. <laughs> Let's just do it. Uh, after Twitter, I turned to kind of um, to get some reactions from, from people on Twitter and some questions and, and stuff like that. And I, I'll just run through some of these now and, and put them to you guys to answer. Um, so you and James asks, uh, as much as people want to get promoted, brackets, I'd love it if we did. Is this season really the time considering how transitional this team is? What do you guys make of that? Ben, let's go to you first. Uh, we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Um, yeah. That if we go up, do we really want to go up with this team? And then there's been further comments in the press from the board this week sort of saying how we're not really going to be spending money in the summer. If anything, we're going to be shredding, sort of getting money off, like reducing the wage bill further and sort of making the club more financially secure. Mm-hmm. And going into that in a se- <laughs> with Premier League teams, um, that could be a big worry. We could really be setting ourselves up for trouble. But are you ever going to turn down a promotion? No. It's a really <laughs> strange place to be. Yeah, but Tom, um, do you, it does worry me. Do you agree with that? I think that one, from a positive angle on it, every team is going to be going through this weird transition period now with contracts running out, not enough time to get people in in the, the way they normally would. People are going to throw their normal practices out the window. So perhaps there's not a better time to go up because everyone's going to be struggling to get their squad. They're not going to have that same pre-season as normal. So... Who knows? Like obviously, you just want promotion, don't you? Really, as a football fan, if you'll, you'll take the chance because anyone can stay up in the Premier League. You know, you could have a couple of teams really struggling early on, and you find yourself relatively comfortable in mid-table going into like February time. So, yeah, you, like, you don't know, but I obviously you'd love to get promoted, and it might not be a better time to do it. And back to your points about the kind of comments from the board and things like that. What you know, offloading players. What players do you see that that? would be interested from, uh, you know, two other clubs from Cardiff. Obviously, you've got people like Glatz or Sean Morrison, but who else would you see that could be offloaded? I think you're going to look at the high earners. I think we're going to be offloading either Flint or Bamba uh, mm-hmm. for a start. Uh, one of the keepers, obviously, with Joe Day coming in. This year, going to be Effort or Smithies is going to go. It's a nice asset to sell there to bring some cash into the club. And then you've just got to look around the where are the expendable plate uh, positions where have we got too much cover you said centre back and goalkeeper other than that I don't actually know where they think they're going to make cuts are you going to get rid of a player like Callum Patterson who's probably got some good resale value mm-hmm. um, is Glatzel going back to Germany who knows it's just it's a tough one I think it's safe to say we've seen ja- uh, Jazz Richards announced he was leaving the club on Instagram the other day um, I think it's safe to say Danny Ward's probably going to be in the same boat um, purely from a cost cutting factor other than that, you, that then leaves us desperately short of right backs and desperately short of strikers. So I don't know where the club think we're going to be reducing players, but they've obviously got a plan somewhere. Well, I mean, one place we're not short of, Tom, is at left back. Um, we saw the, the, the long awaited heralded debut of Brad Smith today. Um, do you have any, any views on Brad Smith's performance? He looked a little rusty. I, I don't think he played much before signing for us, let alone with the lockdown uh, imposed break as well. Did, do you think he might stick around? Because I, I think his contract up is, is, is up at Bournemouth at the end of the year. I think he'd snap a contract up um, if we offered him one. But like, we can't really comment too much on it because we haven't seen much from him. And he came into the mm-hmm. team today with, when we had two left-backs on the field just to try and quell leads Store a little it up bit. A yeah, so it wasn't like a normal left back performance. So, but he, like you said, he put he put a lot of running in. Um, he did lack a little bit of quality here and there. But I think we can only really we can judge him after a run of games. But he might not get that with Joe Bennett in the team. But we are short, really short right back as well. So you might see a lot of 
players switching back and forth, switching wings and stuff. So, you know, we might see a bit more of him coming in. It depends how Harris plays it out. Uh, one of the questions we did get off Twitter was from uh, Tim Burns, who said it was great to be back and nice to start with Leeds. If we're offloading players in summer, I thought Glatzel would be first out. Will he stay and can we keep him? I guess you, you've, you've answered the question of will he stay and can we keep him, Ben? But would you like to keep him? Do you think there's a lot more to come from him? We talk about learning to play to him. We talk about actually you know, playing into his feet and making him a, a more versatile target man in that sense. Is, is he the kind of striker we should be building our team around? Oh, massively. You saw the goal today. His goal was pure quality. And when he came on, I think it was all about two minutes, him and Riles had a really nice sort of bit. Yeah, probably the best they did. They were really nice interplay. Yeah, yeah, and you sort of look at that going, this is, he is the real deal. Like, I don't think Warnock, Warnock was right in scouting him. He just couldn't get the best out of him. Yeah. I think if we've got a manager that wants to build around him, if you're looking at a strike you want to build around, he's the man to build around. He can play on his own. He can hold the ball up on his, at his feet. You just need to get the players in and around him. And we have, to, I'd love for us to keep him. I really would. Because he looks like he's, I wouldn't say he's the next Jay Bothroyd, but he's got the, he's got the sort of qualities there that. There's elements of that, isn't there? Because I think as much as Jay Bothroyd was a very good target man, he was better with his feet, right? And I think that's what yeah. Glatzel is, isn't he? Yeah. Hoof the ball to Glatzel and using his head isn't going to work. He's six foot four and when he jumps, he tends to stay about six foot four. <laughs> and that's sort of not what you want from a target man. But when it comes to the ball to his feet and holding it up, I haven't seen a striker link up with other players so well probably since Bothroyd. Yeah. Um, when you want that and bring other players into the game, he's not just going to score 10, 15 goals. He's going to get quite a few assists as well. And that's exactly what you want from a striker playing up front in his own. Tom, would you like to see him play alongside another striker? Maybe even, you know, we, we tend to play this kind of lone striker with a man behind him. Would you like to see someone more advanced play him alongside someone like Danny Ward, who's going to do a lot of running alongside him? Yeah, I think that could work, but then we kind of miss out on the, we're going to miss out on a solid like midfield three or bombing on with wingers as well. So we've got to think about it. I think in terms of him staying as well, it depends if he wants to stay, um, but then I would happily keep him mm-hmm. because we, we cry, we've been crying out for it. 20 goal striker for like 10 years now and I don't think he's going to be that but he offers so much more like sorry something different not so much more but um, I think you just bring in another striker to play alongside him I don't think Danny Ward's quite the right quality for it mm-hmm. um, but yeah I'd, I'd like to keep him and then add another striker to be honest uh, We had another question from uh, Alex Strange on Twitter and he asked um, it was about Smithy. Smithy's continues to impress an incredible save to keep it 1-0 and Ben it comes back to your point about selling a goalkeeper do you think that Smithy's has now cemented that number one spot do you think it's his to lose or do you think if Etheridge is still the number one really it's just Smithy's is in form at the moment no I think I think Smithy's is number one um, if you're in that shirt when you come back after lockdown that clearly states you are number mm-hmm. one you are the number one goalkeeper Um Smithies has beat has he put a foot wrong since he's come into the squad properly I don't think he has I think he's been absolutely superb and offered a bit more confidence that sometimes our centre-back seem to lack with Etheridge mm-hmm. um, yeah I think if you're Etheridge right now what's he, he'll be 29, 30 yeah. sort of hitting the peak for a goalkeeper if Smithies is playing the way he is you're sort of looking at your agent going have a word round to you what's available for me because I don't think I've got much of a chance there anymore and to, to that point, obviously, Tom, we, we had offers and stuff for Etheridge last year when we signed Joe Day. Do you think we may have missed the boat to get the most money we can for Etheridge? Because obviously he was excellent in the Premier League season, you know, one of the bright sparks. And I think now his, 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 his stock has fallen somewhat. So do you think we'll get the same sort of money that we were, we were looking at last summer? 
No, we won't get the same sort of money we were being offered last summer, but I still think you get a decent amount for him. People won't forget his like heroics that he did he did perform in the Premier League. But I thought Smithies today was to, I think he was my man of the match to be honest because he controlled his area brilliantly. He showed mm-hmm. composure on the ball. He gathered balls from the edge, plucked them out. His clearance kicks were good as well, which we've missed with Etheridge. Like he had some tricky back passes with a bit of pace on it from Sanderson and stuff at times. And he cleared his lines. And I think you mentioned earlier, Ben, about the, the defence seemed to have that little bit more confidence knowing that Smithies is behind him. So I, I think I'd happily move Etheridge on. I wanted to keep him when the offers were coming in before. Because um, he was fantastic for us. And I, I, don't, I don't think people would forget that. But, you know, and that's safe from Smithies. That, that was class. And I think Edridge has got that in his locker as well. But you can't keep hold of two keepers and keep them both happy. And I'd happily, I'd be happy for it to be Smithies. Well, I, I always say about Edridge, and I think I've said bored you to death with this, Tom, but I, I'm never sure if Edridge is left or right-footed because he's crap with both. It's just, he's, he's, he's a keeper who can't kick with either foot. And I, I swear I've seen him line up for some goal kicks with his left and some with his right, and they've both been dreadful. Yeah, he's, he's not the most convincing, is he? No. Right, that, that nicely wraps up uh, the, the Leeds reaction quite there. And I think maybe we go over to Tom now to talk us through his next quiz. Oh, I've got a treat for you today, boys. Uh, it's time for Knowing Lee, Knowing You. This is the Cardiff Lee-based quiz. I don't think this has ever been done before. I think I think it's a podcast first. I'll have to check. But, check the records. Yeah, definitely. But I've got eight questions for you. I'll ask the, I'll ask the eight questions first, and then we'll go to your answers at the end. So I want you All to right, write so them down. Or we just need remember. pen and paper for this one. Yeah. Ben, have you got pen and paper to hand? Got pen and paper, give me a sec. Should have told you this beforehand, but it's fine. Not very often we have a Ben versus Ben contest, so uh, excited to see who comes up as the top Ben. <laughs> Let me know when you're both ready. The title of that quiz is superb. Oh, you yeah, wait to see the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> We're a professional operation now. <laughs> I'm good right to go. Then. I'm ready. I've got to, okay, I'll ease you in with the, the first Lee question. I think it's an ideal start after today. So, which Lee scored a screamer in a 4 0 win against Leeds at Allen Road in 2010? I'd be disappointed if you didn't get that. I think I've got that. Pretty happy yeah. with it. Yeah. Number two. Which Lee signed for us in January 2015 and went on to make 159 appearances for the club? Yep. Yep. Okay, again, a little bit. Tougher now. <laughs> <laughs> Which former Cardiff keeper, Lee, has recently taken over as manager of Taft's Well? Oh, I know this. No. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in my answer there. I'll give you, I'll give you a little clue. It's, um, he made one appearance for Cardiff and that was in the Football League trophy against Rushton and Diamonds. Oh, how, oh that, that's it. Yeah, I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> See his face. A link to that for question number four. This Lee started his career at Rushton and Diamonds. Seamless link. Scoring 27 goals in 156 appearances for them. Who is that Lee? 
He played for us. Yeah, played for played or played for us. Started his career at Rushton and Diamonds. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I got it. We'll see. <laughs> well, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Which Lee's career went Aston Villa, Torquay on loan, Port Vale on loan, Burnley, and Rotherham before joining the Bluebirds? <laughs> I've had fun making this quiz. Yeah, <laughs> you're very proud of yourself. You look like the cat who got the cream. <laughs> Number six. How many got? Yeah. I could do another round next week with the amount of leads you've had. I'm overly reliant on leads. Oof. God. <laughs> <laughs> right, we... <laughs> Number six. Which Lee made his debut for Cardiff at age 18 against Gillingham in the 1995-6 Football League trophy, coming on for another Lee, Lee Badley? That was a nugget when I found that one. The double Lee. <laughs> double Lee good. Oh, no. <laughs> Number seven. <laughs> Number seven. Which goalkeeper spent most of his days as City as third-choice keeper mainly playing for the reserves, but did help them win the Pontins holiday combination. <laughs> I've got an answer, but I don't even know where this name comes from. No, I've only got, got nothing. You should get half the name, right? Well, yeah. Steve, yeah? <laughs> and number eight, final Lee question. Which Lee Finally. Moved- Oh my god. <laughs> you didn't know about this quiz as well. It's quite impressive the amount of buttons you got. <laughs> Impressively. Right, stop now. Alright, I'll I'll leave it alone. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right, number eight. Which Lee moved to Cardiff City in June 2017, but in January 2018 made a deadline day switch to Sunderland, signing on loan for the remainder of the season. What? When did he sign, sorry? June 2017 and left in January 2018. Went to Sunderland? Yes. What position? Sorry, that wasn't in the question, so you're not having it. Uh, I'm going to kick myself over that one. I know it, but I think I've got him twice for some reason. (laughs) That might be fine. Would you like the answers, chaps? Yes, please. Finally, put me out my misery. Yes, please. <laughs> Number one. Who scored that screamer at Elland Road in 2010? I'll go to Ben J first. Lee Naylor. Same for you, Ben Price. I have Lee Naylor. Well done. It's Lee my Naylor. Second least favourite left back of all time. Oh my god! Second least favourite left back. Scott Malone. I don't know why, but I genuinely have. Det- I detest that man. People really do hate Scott Malone. I don't know what it is. He's done nothing personally to me. He was <laughs> average when he played. But for some reason, I saw him pull in to the stadium one day in his car. He had his top knot and his car was like a matte black, like wrapped Range Rover with like the worst alloys going. He was blaring music. And I just instantly thought, dickhead. <laughs> and, and nothing's changed since then. He's very much a rascal of that, that rascal ilk. So Lee Naylor was correct. 
Lee, Lee Naylor was correct, yes. So number two. Point there. With, point for both of you. So number two, who... Who signed into January 2015 and made 159 appearances for us? We've got a Ben Price first this time. It's my old pal Lee Peltier. Ben James? Lee Peltier. Correct. Miss him. Okay. <laughs> Number three. Who was that keeper Lee who recently took over at Taft's Well? So we got Ben James. Lee Kendall. It was Lee Kendall. Did you have that Ben Price? No, I put Lee Howard for some reason. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> you think of Howard Lee? Who's My Howard Lee? <laughs> right. Number four. Who started their career at Rushton and Diamond, scoring 27 goals in 156 appearances? We've got Ben Price. It's Lee Tomlin. Ben James? I agree, Lee Tomlin. Correct. Quite good at this. Have you done a Lee-based quiz before? <laughs> Every um, Thursday on Zoom with my uni boys, we do a Lee-based quiz. There we go. Number five, whose career started with Villa, then went on to Torquay, Port Vale, Burnley and Rotherham? We'll go Ben James. Alan Lee. Ben Price. I put Lee Camp for some reason. I no, got... it, was, it was Alan Lee. Yes. I switched it up with the surname Lee. Threw it in there. I got confused with the Rotherham as the last club before signing for Cardiff. We, it's because we, I, I only remember it because we played Rotherham the first weekend of that season. Then we signed him in the week and he played for us the following weekend. Good knowledge. Good he played, knowledge. He played against us for Rotherham. Sorry, I don't know if I made that clear. He played against us yeah. for Rotherham. We signed him in the week and then... Number six. Which Lee made his that de- I know a lot about <laughs> Cardiff City. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Which Lee made his debut for Cardiff aged 18 against Gillingham and replaced Lee Badley? We'll go to Ben Price first this time. I've got nothing for this one. This was before my time, 1995. Ben James. I've got, I've got Lee Phillips. No, wrong ah. Lee, I'm afraid. is Lee Jarman. Ah, Lee Jarman. <laughs> That's going to really annoy me. Good. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to number seven. Which goalkeeper spends most of his days as third choice keeper, but did win the Pontins holiday combination? We'll go to Ben James. I wrote Lee Bradbury, but that's not it's not correct. Ben Price. I just got Lee. Nearly there. I said you half of the way there, but no, it was a third of the way there. Just Aaron Lee Barrett. Aaron Lee Barrett. Aaron even. Lee Barrett. I remember him as well. Right. Final question. Which Lee moved to Cardiff City in June 2017, but moved on in January 2018 on deadline day? Ben Price? Yeah, I mentioned Lee Camp. And Ben James? What Ben Price said, Lee Camp. Correct. I'm hoping you kept all of your own scores because I forgot to do that. So be honest with me. Ben James, what did you get? I got six. Ben Price? I got four. So win for Ben James in the that's one all in the Ben v Ben quizzes now, isn't it? No, he's ben two Price. up. No, you're two up. Am I two up? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Right, I'll have to try and find something in your wheelhouse for the, the Cardiff-based quiz next week. I'm really pulling into the lead. Yeah, okay. I, let's move away from this quiz before you get any more in. <laughs> all right, let's leave it alone. Um, uh, thanks, Tom, for doing that quiz again, and Ben Price for the leaning back in your chair in an exasperated manner as I got in another pun there towards the end. Um, right, so 
that's it for another podcast from View from Indian. The last thing to talk about, I guess, is looking ahead to next week. Preston, after today, do your opinion change of the game? It's, we keep saying it's a must-win game, but Ben Price, do you think we're going to actually win this? Do you think we're going to go get three points at Deepdale? I don't know. Our record at Deepdale is awful. They're one and of our hoodoo teams, right? Yeah, and we've proven that form counts for nothing. It's continual records that count. So the chances <laughs> are best they're going to win. Um, to be honest, if we get a draw, it wouldn't be a disaster. But I don't know. Their record hasn't been great recently, have they? Preston? No, they drew yesterday with Luton. I think Luton scored quite late on in the game. 18, I think it was a... Yeah, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Callum so, McManaman. Go on, I'll be positive. Uh, I'll go for a scrappy 2-1 win. And who's going to score the goals? Uh, I think that's all continuous fine form. And I fancy Volks to score a good one as well. Just because I want to see that celebration again. Yeah, I do want to see him do a little flip. And, and Tom, do you agree? I think our expectations have been ramped up dramatically after today. <laughs> but um, I think the pressure is well and truly on Preston now because they've seen the advantage disappear after one game in this playoff-like race. They conceded late, like you said, against Luton. It was at the 87th minute. And Alex Neal said it was their most comfortable game of the season and they still didn't win. So, I mean, the pressure is really on them. So I'm going to go for 6-0 Preston. No, um, I think it'd be 1-0 us, to be honest. And I think Joe Rolls. I think I think we're going to get a two-one win. I think we're going to. I think I, th- I still think we're going to go this whole nine games and beaten now. So one in the bag. We're we're one ninth of the way there, and I think we're, we're going to carry on next week with a two-one win. That's a big shout, nine and beaten. Well, you know, I'm here to make the big calls, guys. I'm I'm in the hot seat <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> right, boys. Thanks for joining us. Out is the club's tribute tweets for yes the um, first game back. I that banner and that minute of silence. Ah, oh, I was loving like a little girl on the sofa it was tough yeah i mean it still doesn't feel real does it no it still doesn't feel i mean i i think obviously the the last few months have been weird for all manner of reasons but that that came quite early on in in this kind of the whole lockdown thing and i think you know time is a flat circle it it still hasn't really sunk in that he's 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 passed away it just seeing just that banner and just what he stood for it was just Horrible, and the tribute from the players holding the shirt up after yeah, it's very the nice. Toilet footage strike as well. Just all of it just sort of folds into a really nice bundle. I, I we gave the club a bit of criticism for their ticket offer last last time out, but I think when they do a good job with something like they've done today, um, I think they need to be applauded for the great tribute they've done. I'm sure they'll do an amazing tribute then when the fans are back in the stadium as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it was it was something that came up on the um, the, the press conference with Neil Harris in the week, and I think it's it's only right really that the, the the club have to acknowledge what's going on. But I know they've got plans in the works when when everyone can go because I think that's it, right? I think when you consider who Peter Whittingham was to, to Cardiff fans, he gave us joy week in week out, and it would it would only be fair really if we can. And I think they talked about getting his family involved in in something as well. And I think it's only right really that when the crowds return, that we have a, a proper tribute to him. Yeah, and I think there's plenty of people in and around the club who are still there, who were actively involved when Wits was there as well. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's even deeper than, like, say, when an ex-player who are, who's been retired for, like, 30 years has gone and doing it. it. It's still really, really fresh with a lot of people in and around the club. And, yeah, it, it was really touching seeing that band. It did hit home mm-hmm. and it became a lot more real, didn't it? And it was a really nice touch holding up that jersey as well. It, it was a lovely moment. I I I think I must admit I'd forgotten that Hoyle and Whittingham had crossed over, and I think it was fitting really that it was one of the players who had been here with Whittingham, um, who who scored that opening goal and was able to hold hold the shirt up in that sense. And I think it was it, it kind of 
you know, in, in the best way possible. It was, a, it was a really good way to be as a, as a tribute for, for Peter Whittingham. Yeah, definitely. All right, boys. Well, to end it on a somber note, um, thanks for joining me once again. Um, I'm sure we'll be back next week when, uh, when we've got another three points in the bag against Preston. Look forward to it, mate. See you then, Ben. See you, boys. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and